Welcome to Common Sense with Bishop. And um, you're going to think that maybe the podcast today is a little meddling because I'm going to be talking about your body. And yeah, the mind's important. Yes, your emotions are important. Your soul's important. But so is your body. Now, I know the scripture you're going to immediately come to me with is bodily exercise profiteth little. But now, come on. That's talking about in context to how important your eternal spiritual soul is and destiny is. But I can tell you right now, Jesus and those guys, they walked everywhere they went. Um, these guys, every rendering we have of them, it looks like 12 guys in pretty good shape, really good shape. Because um, the Bible also says the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Now this guy, Joshua, you got me listed to. Uh, give me just about a two minute. So the people will know when I say Coggins, they will know who this guy is. Right. So David Goggins um, came out of Indiana, joined the Air Force. Go back to his childhood just for a second. Okay. Childhood, grew up with a really, really abusive father. Um, loving mom, but mom can't protect him from dad. And so... He owned nightclubs, ran women. Yep. Yep. All that, all that type of life. Um, used to beat him unconscious, all these different things. And uh, so him and his mom make it out in the middle of the night. Right. Escape. And he grows up doing the typical, all right, I don't know who I am. I'm going right. to be this today. I'm going to be that today. Right. Um, decides he wants to join the Air Force. Right. So he goes over there, um, becomes an Air Force TACP, which is someone that controls fast movers and stuff like that behind enemy lines. Cool job. Right. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Gets out of the Air Force and goes to work um, doing pest control <laughs> at night. Um, which, nothing wrong with the job, but for him, nothing close to who he should have been. Right. And, and he's uh, like... $1,000 a month uh -huh. spraying. And he said, I hated rats. I hated cockroaches. Yeah. In the middle of that all the time. And he said, then on the way home, I would get the largest milkshake I possibly could and a box of donuts. Yeah. And he was about 296 at that point. Yes. Just very, very large guy. And um, just kind of <clears throat> came home after that. Right. Saw a Discovery Channel special on the Navy SEALs. Right. And I think like... Uh, a lot of men, if they were honest with themselves, would just kind of say, yeah, I don't enjoy who I am. I, I don't like what I am today. And, right. Uh, he made a decision to uh, to change that. So he began on a journey to wow. lose weight. He had to lose 106 pounds within a couple months. It was like two or three months. Had to pass the ASVAB exam, which is the military entrance exam. Um, and that was just to get a shot at going to BUDS. Right. Um, Which goes, is the Navy SEALs training place. Navy SEALs training, yeah. So he goes there, has to do it three times. First time got double pneumonia. Second time basically broke his knee. Uh, the third time the knee wasn't completely healed, but it was time to start again and completed that one. Um, so he's the only person, I think still, that has gone through Air Force TAC-P, 
Navy SEAL training, and the Army Ranger School. All of those. And so when I tell you that whatever difficult test there is around the world, he's done it. Run 100 miles. We talked in the earlier podcast, the uh, Dead Water. The Bad Water 135. Bad Water 135. 135 mile run through. Uh, Death Valley. Death Valley at the hottest time. Yeah, ultra triathlons, triathlon. Okay, he's done all of these things. So when I I talk about somebody that was had every reason not to have their body in shape. Yeah. Bad self-image, no confidence. He said every day I went to high school, I was just trying to be, how, how I could be funny. Yeah. I copied, I cheated off everybody's test. Uh I never learned. I barely knew how to read. <clears throat> and uh this man that is sought after speaker around the world right now, and those of you that are Christians, I want to tell you, if you read any of his stuff or hear any of his stuff, he has very colorful language. He uh, uses a lot of profanity. But I guarantee you, when Jesus first got the disciples, especially Peter, I'm sure that Jesus understood Peter's heart because I guarantee you his language if you, if you ever go around dock workers or uh, people who go out fishing, professional fishermen up in New England, uh, just you could see what kind of characters Jesus was uh, traveling with. Uh, and he says this, <clears throat> I'm not gifted, I'm just driven. Now see, you, you might say, I'm not driven. See, if you're not driven, <clears throat> I don't think you've been exposed to the right things yet. Because there's something inside of a man or a woman that if you activate it, it's a catalyst to be driven. You know that there's more. There's no, you know that you want to do more. He said, the more comfortable I made my surroundings, the more uncomfortable my mind was. Therefore, my body followed. You know, I... I, I have seen the reality of this when um, I, at 60 years old, uh, had a stroke. I turned the church over to my son, and I began to just travel around the world, which is a um, different kind of lifestyle. It's usually a great deal of traveling, a great deal of time in airports, a great deal of time in hotel rooms. You have very little bit of time. To yourself, uh, and um, many of the countries I was in, you couldn't go outside the hotel, and there were no facilities inside to work out. And so I had every excuse to uh, just to let my body go. And I decided that there is no excuse. I want to say that to you today. Common sense is there really isn't any excuse. I've heard people say <clears throat> that during the quarantine, um, if somebody was to say to you, you're a workout maniac, uh, Joshua. If somebody was to say to you during the quarantine, all the gyms are closed, how am I going to work out? <laughs> what would you say? I, I would tell them that you probably didn't want to work out anyways. Because <laughs> someone that wants to work out will find a way. You know, they're... I don't really have any equipment here. I'm like, I've got two kettlebells. Right. 
in a weight vest. Right. Um, but if you want to work something out, you will find a way. Man, I your workouts are ridiculous. And th- no, there's no gym. There's no mirrors. Looking at yourself. Finally, uh, finally can get something done now. No, <laughs> no mirrors. It's amazing. When you said uh, the way that people work out r- right now, just like isolating one body part is really bad for your body. Instead, you work out and develop functional strength. What does that mean? Yeah, doing, a, doing complex movements. You know that old... Um, that old phrase, farm strong, yes. you know, or ranch, ranch strong, where those guys were picking up hay bales and throwing them or, or doing all these different things, you know, instead of just doing a bicep curl and that muscle's growing faster than the tendon can keep up with. Right. And uh, to me, if you're just working out for looks, then, you know, I, I, then that's why you need a mirror at your gym. That's why you need your gym to be open for you to work out. Because right. if there's no one to look at you, right? why would you work out if that's your only motivation? Like, there's nothing wrong with looking good and being in shape and stuff like that. But you have to have a higher purpose than that, hopefully. Well, it was amazing. One of my friends at Georgia Tech that I led to the Lord, he, at the time he was the largest football player ever signed out of the state of Alabama. He was 6'7". He's over 300 pounds. And... Uh, I went in the weight room with him and uh, in weights, I was stronger than him. But uh, I guess that made me think that I might have a chance of like wrestling with him or, or, or when you talk about farm strong, he threw me, he threw me out of the way. Like I was like a child. Uh, he was one of the strongest offensive linemen. I, I think that year we had the largest, tallest offensive line in America. And uh, these boys were not great in the weight room, but God, they were they were that farm strong. Yeah. And so during this time, I realized the gyms were closed, but there's nothing that stopped me from getting on my bike. No. There's nothing from stopping me from eating right and starting a better uh, eating regimen. I found myself down 15 pounds. I feel great. I set a record yesterday and how far I had ridden on my bike and how long I had ridden on my bike. And that's with three chefs in the house because my wife, my daughter, and my son-in-law can all cook incredible. But the deal is you have to suffer and remember the suffering. So when it comes again, you're ready. See, I we have to condition our bodies that when something happens, when people always walk around and go, I'm tired, when people wake up and say, I'm tired, yeah. there's two things there. There's a mindset and you're nowhere near being in shape. You're not going to enjoy life when you get to the place and, and you say, well, you don't know my condition. I have two artificial knees. Okay. So I got, I've got an easy cop out there. Uh, you know, I can have a handicap sticker for my car, but when I go someplace that's beautiful, I want to be able to walk with my wife. I, I want to play with my grandchildren and not have to go, well, granddad's a cripple. Uh, he can't walk. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, my wife, 
And when she and I finished the bike ride yesterday, I learned this from Coggins. Is that the way you say his name? Oh, Goggins. Yeah. When when I got through and um, we sit down and my wife is always a million miles an hour and her wife is going, um, my wife is going a million. Uh, she has so many thoughts in her head. And I said, let's just sit here and enjoy the pain and the suffering we just endured, the accomplishments we, accomplishment we just made. Let's just feel this just for a second. Let's just celebrate the fact our mind said to our body, you're not going to hear, you're, you're not going to tell me, you're not going to be in charge of me. This is really the beginning of wisdom. And that's what happens to you when you learn how to handle your body. You learn how to work with your body. Uh, the largest road race in the world happens in Atlanta, where I live now. It's called the Peachtree Road Race. It's always July 4th. And Atlanta at that time is just, it's 100 degrees and no wind is moving anywhere. And uh, it's just a 10K. And so my friends would call me up. And I was always playing basketball or flag football or softball. But... I, I did I did running for a living all the way through college. And so just going out to run to run was not my favorite thing. I, I do other kind of sports every day. And they would say, Well, you want to run the Peace Road Race? I went, Absolutely. He said, Well, we have a number, we'll meet you there. He said, How long have you been training? I said, I didn't train. I said, But I can run six point two miles. And they go, How can you possibly do it? I said, Well, you would start right there in Linux Square, right there at Phipps Plaza, and you start the race. And I would just say, I'm not running 6.2. I'm just going to run down there to the bottom of that hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so I run to the bottom of the hill, and I go, you know what? I can make one hill. I'm just telling you I can make one hill. And so I'd run to the top of the hill. And then I would find something else, like a girl that had just run by me. And I would go, well, that's not going to happen. Uh, I, I, I can do that. And then I would get to what they call cardiac hill because usually everybody out of, I don't know what it is, 40,000 people, somebody would die. Two or three people die every year uh, doing what I'm doing, uh, but uh, not being as in good a shape. And, and so cardiac hill. And then when I got to the top of cardiac hill, I go, well, I'm five miles into the race. There's no way I'm going to stop now. Yeah. And I would just say... Your mind is more powerful than your body. Uh, don't let your body fool you. Don't let it dictate to you what you can do or what you cannot do. I'm going to say this statement that uh, Goggins said, and I want you to tell me what it means to you. The worst thing that can happen to a man is that he becomes civilized. Yeah. What does that mean to you, Joshua Paul? Uh, I think, to me, the civilized would be soft, yep. um, weak physically, weak emotionally, weak mentally. Um, someone is uh, more concerned, a more run off of feelings and emotions. Right. Um, they don't pursue challenges anymore. 
We're so civilized that... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. There's no more... There's no new frontier. I'm not willing to risk anymore. I'm not willing to try anymore. I'm not willing to fail anymore. Where the uncivilized world, where people would say, oh, they're just savage. Man, every day was a hunt. Every day was a struggle. Every day was a fight. And they are they are stronger mentally, physically, everything than the civilized man that everybody wants to be tough. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be like Goggins. Right. But no one is willing to be uncomfortable, which is where strength is found. Well, I, when I listen to him, I realize that I am an uncivilized man. I just... I'm not happy with the status quo. Uh, if I want to get on my bike, uh, going less than 20 miles, not an option. Once once I hit that, I need to I, I need to have new um, frontiers. I went to speak at a conference in Pasto, Colombia, and we flew in. And when we went into this tiny little airport, I thought, my God, there's a conference here. There were no houses. But it was the only place that was flat land. Mm-hmm. And so we drove for, it seemed like 30, 45 minutes. We topped this hill. And then there's this city of a quarter million people yeah. down there. We walked into the uh, Coliseum, which was open air, uh, no doors. So whatever the temperature was outside was the temperature inside. Well, during the day, you're in pretty good shape. At the night, uh, people wore coats and, and sock hats and whatever. And so it, it would come my time to speak. And I would speak for like an hour and a half. And if you've ever seen me speak, it's like 10 illustrations. And I'm running and jumping and doing all kinds of crazy things. And at the end, all these young men and women came up to me and go, how how do you have the energy to do that for an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. And I said to them, I, I realize now I am an uncivilized man. I, there's no way that I could just come down there of these people that need help and pay for me to come down and for me just to sit on a stool or, mm-hmm. or, or stand behind it. I realize I'm an uncivilized man. I remember the time, uh, and I'm going to tell you, you can do more than you think you can do. Are you ready? You know, your God, your body has such capabilities. And the Bible says it's fearfully and wonderfully made. <clears throat> I was speaking in uh, Georgetown, Ghana. And I was up and I, I, I spoke in a room that's supposed to seat 700 people and then put about 2,500 people in there. No AC. It's summertime. And it's about 100 degrees inside. And so I spoke for about an hour and 15 minutes. And um, when I got through, I was sweating. It was pouring down. And I turned around and the leader of the conference goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I, I spoke for an hour and 15 minutes. And he goes, there are some people that walked four days to get here. Yeah. Anything less than a four hour message or speech is inappropriate. I didn't even think about it the second time. I just turned around and went for two hours and 45 minutes more. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the most I've ever sweated in my life. I went to the hotel room, and when I got up in the morning, there was a puddle underneath my suit. 
of, of water dropping off of it and totally dehydrated, couldn't get out of bed, thought I was going to die. And a lady showed up with a gallon um, uh, uh, of coconut water and she said that uh, the leader of the conference said for me to stay in your room and for you to drink this, little old lady, and drink it. And it took about 20 minutes, but I drank the whole gallon. Yeah. Uh, in 45 minutes, I was completely fine and did it twice again the next day. I just want to say to you, your body can do more than you think it can. Get your mind out ahead of it and realize that you are an uncivilized man or woman. And when many people say you're not good enough, or maybe even worse, you say to yourself you're not good enough, this is what I say to you. Make yourself good enough. Uh when I first went to Georgia Tech, my first quarter, I came from an inner city high school. I failed math, and I should have failed biology, but the teacher was just, God gave me incredible favor, and they changed my grade from an F to a C. So I went immediately on academic probation. And I came to my coach, and I showed him my grades, which we all had to do, and he said, uh, Swilly, uh, you're a good, you're a fine young man, and I've enjoyed meeting you. But you're just not cut out for Georgia Tech. You're not smart enough to be here. Uh, you just don't have the basics for this kind of academic work. So whether you want to come to athletic practice or not, you you won't make it through the next quarter. Josh, when I walked out of that room, I said there might be. There might be things in my life I don't achieve, but I can tell you right now, one of the things I'm going to achieve is I'm going to take grades back up these steps to my coach's office one day and show them I can do this. Now, I never had to study in high school. Uh, inner city high school is more of a uh, surviving till you graduate, if it's, if it's a tough enough area. And so I was there and... Uh, it was four hours a night. And my uncle, who lived down the street, was from a married married into the family. He was a Fulbright scholarship student from from Paraguay. And he tutored me every night for an hour, hour and a half. The next quarter. Now for some of you this is not a big deal, but I made all B's and C's. To me, uh I should have won the Nobel Peace Prize for that. Uh <laughs> I ran up there and I said, I am smart enough for this school. And coach said, I knew you were all the time. You just need to be motivated. See, your body can do things with the proper motivation, the proper, the proper motivation. I want to tell you that where your will or your, your, your emotions and your body if you let the emotions rule, you'll never be able to get your body in shape. You'll never be able to get your mind in shape. You'll always have an ability to, you'll always know that there is an ability that you had, a potential that you had, but you never got to realize it. I want you today to realize your potential. Next podcast, we're going to talk about your emotions. And that's, that's a biggie, your emotions and how 
that it affects every part of your life. I don't want you not to have emotions. I just don't want your emotions to lead. You'll never work out if you follow emotions uh, maybe once a month. But I'm here to tell you, your body, you get your body in shape, you'll feel like praying, you'll feel like fasting, you'll feel like reading the Bible, you'll feel like loving your wife, you'll feel like being with your kids, you'll feel like being, if you're a woman, you'll feel like being a great mother, a great wife. When your body is in shape, it opens up so much more for you to do. Father, I thank you today that you help us to know that it all works together. We have to get our mind right. We have to get our body right. We need to get our emotions right. And when we do, we'll prosper and we'll be in good health. And you know what? My wonderful heavenly father, dad, that just makes common sense. This is Bishop and this has been Common Sense.